Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Calling Community Church. We're excited that you're here with us this morning. I always forget to do this, but I want to welcome those who do listen to the podcast that we send out every week, which I'm so grateful that we're able to do that because we're able to touch, uh, kind of get into some homes and people's lives that aren't able to be here, maybe because of distance or because of other reasons, but we're so excited that we're able to do that. My name is Brady Testorf, and I am humbled and honored and blessed to be able to be here with my friend that we brought with us today. But actually, I'm humbled and honored to be uh, the pastor of this church and just to be here with you. I do not take these kind of moments for granted, by the way, just so that you know, that I realize that you could be anywhere else on the planet, but you've chosen to be with us this morning, and we're so excited about that. And I always think about this, and, I'm, and I promise this is true, I always think we will never be here just like this ever again, if you think about it. Not, not just like this. Now, maybe similar seating arrangements, maybe a little bit different, maybe the same crowd, maybe some more people, less people, whatever, but we'll never be here together again to, like this today. And so we want to take um, advantage of that in the, in the greatest possible way to bring, give God the most glory, right, for that and to, to get the most from it. And so uh, I, I feel like I really needed to do this. I need two people who are bold enough, bold enough, now uh, before you raise your hand, bold enough to come up and pray out loud into the microphone this morning, okay? And so here's what I need. I need someone who is willing to pray for me per- personally as I get ready to speak because I'll just be real with you. I overextended myself this week and I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm not tired of church, not tired of the Lord. I'm not tired of any of those things, um, but I'm just physically tired. So I need someone to pray for me today because after this, we have a, a board and a core team meeting for our church. And so it's going to be a long afternoon. Then I need someone who's willing to pray for you as you listen to the tired preacher. You stay down here, Justin. Listen to the tired preacher preach, all right? Because you're going to need the help, all right? So I need someone to pray for me specifically and then someone to pray for the church, pray for those who are here. So that's two people, all right, two bold, willing to pray out loud in front of other people, which is a fear for a lot of people. I get it. All right, good, awesome. Come on here, guys, right here. All right. So flip a coin to see who has to pray for me, all right, and then who gets to pray for everybody else. What do you want to do? I'll pray for you. You pray for me, so we have the same haircut. That's right, go ahead. All right, so we're going to pray. I know I wasn't going to make jokes about my hair, but it's just too easy. Sorry. It's on. It's ready. All right, go ahead. All right, uh, Father God, I just... Uh...
bold and be bold in, in our lives as, as Christians and, and not be afraid to, to really live the way you want us to live. I pray that we, we remember what, what, what is important to you and to this world, and that's, and that's just to love and to, and to give ourselves to glorify you. And I just thank you again, Lord, for, for, uh, for your son, and I, I thank you for braving. And I just pray that you continue to, to encourage him through us. conditioning <laughs> and uh, we just thank you for the chance to be here in your house again Lord um, by your divine appointment everyone is here and each of us whether we know it or not have a need for you to flow today mm. and so we just ask that you would open hearts and ears and that each, uh, each person here Lord would hear specifically from you today uh, in a way that addresses that need in only the way you can and Lord we just thank you for the opportunity to have that happen Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We can do mo no more than pray until we prayed, so I appreciate you uh, doing that. So today, we're going to continue on this series that we've been, been starting last week with the armor of God. So turn to Ephesians chapter 6, which is the reason why we have our armored friend here with us. This was like immeasurably more than I could have ever asked for or imagined when it came to the, the armor illustration. So this is just a visual representation of what we'll, we'll share. So I'm just going to Read, we'll read through this. So Ephesians chapter 10, or excuse me, chapter 6, verse 10. And so it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, it says, after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So today, we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. So last week, if you were here, then we, we talked about the belt of truth. That we must have a solid core belief a solid worldview of who God is and his attributes and his character and how he loves us, the purpose and plan he has for our life, who Christ is and who, who Christ wants to be. Like he is the redemptive force in this world that we live in, that Jesus is all those things for us. And we must have a core understanding of that in order so that we will not be um, swayed by fine-sounding arguments. 
different things that are going on in the, in the culture and in the world. And so today we're talking about the breastplate, which the breastplate is the part of the armor that covers your vital organs, the thing that must keep beating in order for you to keep fighting, and that is our hearts, right? And so it covers the core, the vital organs of our body, and the, obviously the, one of the main things is our heart. And so at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, and you can just keep notes or you can go there if you want, but 4.23 it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything that you do flows from your heart. So I like to think about it this way. I like to think that we, we have thoughts about what is true, about the right things to do, and the things that we know are right in, in God's eyes, and then we begin to feel it in our heart. It becomes a reality to us. Like, not only do I think about it, but I feel like this is really what God is causing me to do. So that's the reason why we must have truth, because if you start having feelings that aren't based on truth, it can take us to a different place, a place we should not go. But when we begin to feel it in our heart, like this is the right thing, this is really, it's truly what God wants from me, and we live that out, we start to experience some victory in our lives. So we must guard our heart. And so this sense of righteousness, this breastplate of righteousness, guarding our heart, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about two different ways to view righteousness, okay? The first one is, comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. So there's this sense of when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we become, we embody the righteousness of God. And so it's a, a sense of being set apart, made holy because of his righteousness and placed with Jesus in the heavenly realms, it says, with Jesus, and we are made righteous in his eyes. And so we've talked about this before, but that's how God sees you if you have put your faith in Jesus. And I know we have a hard time wrapping our mind around that because we don't see ourselves that way. And we don't see each other that way. We're really, really hard on ourselves and hard on other people. But we're especially hard on ourselves. And I know that to be true because I'm, I'm that way. But Jesus, but the Lord, the Father says, I see you as the righteous, as my righteousness because Jesus took your sin upon himself and made you, he, you became righteousness, the righteousness of God. Made right in his eyes. Does that make sense? Like he, you're, he sees you that way. And oh, if we could just wrap our mind around that truth alone, that that's how he sees us. It could, alter the, it could alter the things that we love with our hearts. It could really change those things that we really love if we begin to see that. And so that's, that's just one sense of righteousness. But this, this righteousness that it's speaking of is the same but yet a little bit different because it's something that we must put on daily. Like when you get dressed, it's something that you must wear daily. We must put on this righteousness that it's speaking of. So the Greek word is dikaiasune, which is just a really big word that means something like this. And this, I kind of wrestled with this this week, trying to hopefully to explain it in a way that you understand. It's, it's this idea of the way God wants you to be is his righteousness. Does that make sense a little bit? Like there's a certain way God wants you to be. Now, what is that? How does he want us to be? Who does he want us to follow? What is the example that we follow? 
Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the exact representation of God. So there's this sense of the righteousness of God is I want you to be like Jesus, okay? And so there's this sense of when we put on his righteousness, it's like putting on this garment that says, when you wear it, this is what I want you to be, and these are the things I want you to do. I want you to be like Christ. It's things like integrity and virtue, purity of your life, uh, things that are just correct and your correct way of thinking, the correct way of feeling, and then the correct way of acting. So it's just putting on these correct things the way God uh, wants us to, and it's, it's basically doing what is right. Okay, now, can I get an amen to this statement? It is hard to always do the right thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? So it requires, it requires some effort, for sure. But here's the thing I want you to understand about this righteousness that he wants us to put on. It is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Did you hear that? This righteousness that he wants us to put on is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That is, that is some power right there. Like, you have access to that same power. And I know you're thinking, well, why do I keep messing up all the time? Why do I keep struggling? Well, for one, because we unfortunately still live in the flesh, and our, our flesh is weak, and we have to continually practice these right things. And so he says, I, I want you to put on these things, and we have access to this power to do the right thing. So it's there. Scripture even says that everything you need for godliness lives inside of you if you put your hope in Jesus. It's there. Now we have to figure out how to access it and how to live it out. And it takes some practice, right? It takes some practice. Because it's true that it seems like the, um, the enemy of our soul, which that's the thing that we struggle with, because it says in the passage that we read that the battle's against this, this force that's not flesh and blood. He's always messing with our hearts, isn't he? He's always messing with our affections. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, loving Jesus, but don't get crazy about loving Jesus. Love these other things, too, with the same amount of passion. You know, love, love your job or love, you know what? And this is the one that he really gets people on. Well, just love, love your children. Sometimes we love our children so much that we forget to even love ourselves or to love our spouse or to love the Lord because we put so much emphasis on our kids. And that, it's a danger. I get it. I have kids and they're, they just, they wreck your whole world in a good way when they come and come into your life. But he, but it causes our affections to be misplaced. And matter of fact, there's a great story in the Bible about what happens when our affections get misplaced, and that's in the story of, of the life of, the, of King David, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. So here's some truth I want you to grab a, grab a hold of here, and putting on this, this breastplate, this protection, this, this doing the right thing. When we walk in obedience consistently, the easier it is then to do the right thing. Think about that. When you eat right on a consistent basis it just gets easier i heard some people talking about like starting their diet tomorrow and starting to eat right i'm, I'm always like that i'm gonna start my diet tomorrow after i eat this muffin okay because monday's coming i'm gonna eat the muffin on sunday but the, but when we get in a habit right how many days do they say it takes to create a habit it's like 21 or something like that maybe it's longer for me, it's probably more like 90. You have to do the same thing 90 days in a row. But I think they say if you do the same thing 21 days in a row, you'll create a habit. So if you consistently do the right thing, the easier it is to uh, continue with that, that process, that practice, I believe. 
So how do, we, how do we make that happen? Well, here's a couple practical things. You cannot live out this righteousness that he has for you in isolation. You can't do it alone. We need each other to do that. We need one another. We, the, as a church, we have to have each other. Does that make sense? As you think about that, we need each other. And, and some, uh, some guys, we were talking about this earlier to, uh, this morning, we need each other because we need to hold each other accountable. Like we need, I know as a guy, I need someone who is willing to, to approach me and say, hey, Brady, um, I'm just saying there's some stuff that I just see and I, I need to address this issue with you. But we're so afraid to do that for a couple of reasons. We're afraid of how the other person is going to react back to you. And we're really afraid, well, they're going to point out some things in my own life that I need to work on. And so therefore, I'm just not going to say anything at all. But that's not the right approach. We we must be willing to be approached and to approach others in love, obviously, but to, to do it in love. And, and guys, that's something we really need to, to encourage each, uh, each other with. And then we cannot do it without some discipline in our life, okay? It, it, it does require some practice and discipline in order to, to put on these things and walk these things out. Okay, one of them, obviously, and we're in church, so this is kind of a no-brainer. One of them is, obviously, just to be here and to be in this place and be around, so, uh, be, open up the Word of God together and, and listen to teaching and, and then put it into practice afterwards. Because okay, the real job happens after you walk out of here. Do you know that, right? It's not now. It's, what, it's when you walk out of here. And then it is, um, it is reading it on your own then and, and putting it into practice throughout the week, which I challenge some, some people last week said, hey, hold me accountable to read, to read uh, Ephesians 1 every day. And immediately the next morning, hey, have you read it yet? I was like, yes, yeah, well, I haven't yet, but I'm going to. So it, it helped because I knew I needed to get to it. One friend of mine, um, I, ch- I kind of challenged him, and he said he's going to read it on his lunch hour. This is how bad the enemy doesn't want you to read your Bible. He sent a tornado into the community where he was trying to read his Bible on his lunch break. But that didn't distract him. He stayed true, and he finished up the reading. It was awesome. Way to go. Anybody else have a tornado try to interrupt your Bible reading? That's a really pretty valid excuse, by the way. I'll take that one as your pastor, if you have that happen in your life. So that was pretty amazing. If you have a tornado, come and try to keep you from reading the Bible. But usually it's not a tornado, right? It's usually your schedule or things going on or distractions or things going on around you. I get that. Ephesians chapter 2, which is the next challenge for you. We're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 2 this week. In Ephesians chapter 2, you're going to find some, one, of the, one of the most powerful verses in Scripture where it says stuff like, you're saved by, by your faith through God's grace, you know, or by God's grace through faith, not by anything that you've done on your own. Which is something that we need to wrap our mind around because, because I don't want you to think, well, I can practice and be disciplined and I can work out this whole thing on my own. I don't really need God's help to do it. Like I could just be a good enough person. That's not true. You, God's grace saves you by putting your faith and trust in Him. It's not something you can boast about, something you can't do. You can't do it on your own. The reality that comes along with that, though, is when you do receive Christ through faith, can't earn his salvation but when you realize that the gift he's given you it is the thing that must cause us to move forward in him 
It's the thing that's like, man, I can't believe he's given me this incredible grace in my life. He's saved me. He's redeemed me. He's given me life. He's given me eternal life. He's given me life right here on earth right now. And then that's the motivation to do, to put on righteousness and do the right thing. Okay? That's the thing I want you to wrap your mind around. Here's a few verses about righteousness I want to share with you real quick. And just keep, write these down if you want, or you can uh, try to keep, to keep up. But I want to go through them pretty quickly just because of time. Starting from the very beginning of, of Scripture, it says, Abram, who later became Abraham, believed God. And then it says, God credited to him or covered him in righteousness. So he put on righteousness because of his faith and belief and trusting in God. Okay? And that righteousness came upon him because of his belief in God. Psalm 23, 3 says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Like God wants you to put on righteousness. He wants you to do the right thing for one, to bring glory to him and to bring freedom and joy in your life. Do you think that's true? Do you believe that God wants you to put on righteousness and live out these things for your benefit? Yes, it is definitely for your benefit, and it's for his glory. There's nothing that brings God more glory than when his people are walking with him in, in the right way and in obedience. It, it's like a proud parent who just sits back and says, yes, that's my boy, and that's my girl. Look at her. She, man, I'm just so pleased with her. I'm just so excited for her. So he guides us in those paths of righteousness. Proverbs 14.34 says, righteousness exalts a nation. Can I get an amen or an oh my for the country that we live in? So what is the exact opposite of that? You can do the math on that. But righteousness, doing the right thing, living out this right, the right things that God wants us to do, exalts a nation. It lifts us up. Isaiah 51 and Zephaniah chapter 2 say things like this. Pursue righteousness. Seek righteousness. It's not something, the righteousness of God that comes through faith is already given to you, but in order to do the right thing, to walk it out daily, you're going to need to look for it and seek it and pursue it and dig in and go for it, okay? It's, it's like eating right or exercise or anything like that requires effort. It's something that we have to put some work into. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. And it says that they will be filled. Like when you hunger and thirst for the right things of God, it says you'll be filled up. And the opposite is, is when we hunger and thirst for things that are not right, it fills full for a while, but it's like empty calories and things that really aren't good for us in the long run. And we end up feeling yucky afterwards. I don't think, I don't think yucky's in the Bible, but it's, it's a real and true valid feeling. Six, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek that first. That's the first thing that we should pursue. And when, when we do that, it says all these things will be added unto us. It's almost the sense of like all these things we consume ourselves with and worry about. God says, hey, just seek me first. Seek the right things first. And I will bring those things to you in my right timing in a way that just fits you perfectly. And, and you'll see that it's from me. Then you can trust me. It goes all the way back to, to Abram, believing God and trusting him. And God says, I'll give you righteousness because of your faith in me. Just trust me. So when we experience some victory in little battles of our life, 
then I think we begin to realize that there's some bigger battles that we might have to face later on, and it gives us some boldness. So I want to share this story. I couldn't get away from this story for some reason all week long. I kept feeling like I needed to go back to it. So turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel verse, or chapter 17. Who can tell me right away what this story is about even before you get there? 1 Samuel 17. King David. Okay, so this is the story of David and Goliath. Very famous story, story you've probably heard several different times before maybe. If you haven't, it's a, it's a fascinating story. Even if you have, it's still some incredible detail in this story. The reason why I want to share this story with you, and I want you to, to, to frame it like this so you'll try to understand uh, where we can learn more about righteousness. It's this. David was a young man after God's heart. He loved the Lord. He wrote a lot of, a lot of the Psalms being out in, in uh, the wilderness and watching sheep and, and just being in love with God, seeking his righteousness, seeking to do the right thing. And matter of fact, it was because of David's heart that God chose him over his brothers to be king. And because of his faithfulness, God gave him victory in some of the little battles in life. Now, we may think that a bear and a lion is a big battle, but turns out, for David, that was little in compared to what he was getting ready to face. But there was something about David's faithfulness and desire and trust and seeking of the Lord that God gave him victory early on in his life. And so the story goes that David's brothers were off the war. And David was told by his dad to go take your brothers some cheese, some bread, and whatever, and go check on them, see how they're doing. Because they were holed up in a 40-day fight with one man, basically, and that was Goliath, who came out for 40 days in a row and challenged the army of Israel. You know, can you imagine it's like they clocked in and clocked out every day, like at work, <laughs> 9 a.m., David or Goliath gets up, clocks in, goes out, challenges the people all day long. Everybody quivers in fear. He clocks back out, goes home, goes to bed, comes back out, does it again the next day. 40 days in a row of no relief. Do you have any battles like that in your life? Or you just feel like, is this ever going to end? Is there anybody going to step up? God, are you going to come through for me because I've been waiting all this time? I'm trying to do the right thing. Why am I experiencing any victory here? Why am I struggling? And then David comes on the scene. And Saul, this will start with um, verse 32 in, in 1 Samuel 17. So David's there. He's already interacted with his brothers. His brothers are a little frustrated. What are you doing here? You're just a little shepherd boy. Go home. You shouldn't be here. And so then David goes to the king in verse 32 and says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Well, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear 
will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. (laughs) Good luck, son. (laughs) May the force be with you. (laughs) This this, this is going to be interesting. Saul's like, let's see what happens. This is going to be great. At least somebody's going to, 40 days of nothing, something's going to happen this morning. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on the sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Like he fastened his sword to the belt of truth and he's tried walking around and because he was not used to them, he said, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. And if you know anything about the story, you know the good guy wins. Okay, now, did David win because, because he was a great warrior and a great shot with a slingshot? Partly. But my thought is, is David won even before the battle even started because he had already been doing the right thing. He had already put on this breastplate of righteousness, one that fit him perfectly. And so I, I think about this thought. I think sometimes... Well, well, it's like, you know what, I'm not like other people who seem like they have it all together. And, we tr- and then we try to almost imitate them and be like them or try to put on and live their life instead of living the life that God has called you to live. Like all, all of us have battles that we are called to fight, right? All of us have things going on in our life, little or, or big, that, we're, that are going on in our life. And this breastplate of righteousness is, is to fit you perfectly for what's going on in your life right now. Does that make sense? It is just for you. It's the same righteousness of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, but it fits you perfectly for your scenario, for your life right now where you are. And some of you need to understand that God's placed you in that purpose, that place for a purpose, for a reason. He's trying to accomplish something in you and through you right now. So don't run from the fight. Do not run from this fight. Instead, put on the armor, say, God, Give me what I need this day to do the right thing, and I'm going to do the right thing no matter what else anybody, what else, what else, you know, what anybody else is doing. I don't know why I couldn't get that out. But I'm going to fight this fight that you've placed in front of me today, and I'm going to trust you, God. That's the, that's the thing that we have to have more than anything else in order to really put on this breastplate, is that God has what's best for us, and he's going to protect us, and he's going to lead us in the fight. And so I just thought it was fascinating that David had already seen God's faithfulness in the past. He had no reason to believe God was going to be any different in the future. Okay? Can you identify some areas in your life where God has been faithful in the past so that you can put on the armor today and fight what you're going through right now and to trust that God's going to get you through it? Do you have some moments like that in your life? Surely you do, at least some. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe your, your story starts today. Maybe say, no, I need to put my faith in God today because I haven't been living very good in the past and it's been hard and I need someone to fight with me and I need to put on this this righteousness that you're talking of. Now, the story of David is victorious in this particular scene, but a little bit later on in 2 Samuel, it's it's not so pretty because there was a time where David should have been off the war he should have been wearing the armor. At that time, he was a grown man and a king, and he probably wore real armor. He probably didn't go out with a, a slingshot. He probably went out with a, 
dressed in the full armor of God. But there was a time in David's life where he didn't put on the armor of God. He stayed home when all the rest of the kings were off the war. And David got caught up in a battle that snares most men in the world we live in today. And that is a battle of purity of the mind. And David got caught up in a relationship with a woman named Bathsheba. And it didn't go well for him. He not only took off the breastplate, but he took off his belt too. And he left himself fully exposed to the enemy. And if you read on in the story, you'll see that there is a consequence, ladies and gentlemen, when we don't put on the righteousness of God and we don't live and do the right thing. And I, as your pastor, I owe it to you to be honest that I promise you, if that's where you're at today, you continue to live that, that life for very long, the consequence is going to come. And I know that to be true because I've experienced it in my own life. I'm not exempt from that at all. Even the plan that God had for my life years ago to be standing here today, I've still had to go through some defeat. And I've suffered the consequences of it. And as a result of that, I'm fully aware, even more aware now of what those are. And I still have to choose this day to put on the breastplate of righteousness, do the right thing for the Lord. I still have to put it on daily. Does that make sense? I have to do that. So David... He, uh, he ended up sleeping with Bathsheba. She got pregnant, and then he tried to cover it up by having uh, her husband come back from war so that they could be together so that he could say it was his baby and not David's. Well, the soldier, Uriah, was so faithful to David. He was so faithful to do the right thing. David's plan didn't go as well as, well as he thought it was going to be. Matter of fact, didn't David end up having to have him put on the front lines and had him killed to try to cover it up? David was confronted later on by this friend, this prophet named Nathan, who was holding David accountable, and he had to deal with the truth. And at that particular moment, David was fully exposed, vulnerable. And uh, the consequence was, is David's child died. The, the wages of sin really can be death, really is death. And he suffered because of that. Now, God redeemed David. You know that because the story goes on. Forgiveness was given because David did what was necessary. He confessed and he repented, meaning he said, you're right, God, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And, uh, and God began to clean up his life and, and used him in a mighty way after that. And that's good news, ladies and gentlemen. That's good news for you and me. Because later on in Ephesians chapter 2, after we realize that we're saved by God's grace through faith in him, that God has a purpose and a plan, and he's worked out things for us to do in advance, good works. God has things for you to do. He wants you to put on this breastplate so that you can go to battle for him and do the things he's called you to do. And you'll, you'll miss out on those things if we're not walking in righteousness. You, you just will. Like, I promise you, God will not fully reveal himself to you in a way that just totally raptures your heart until you decide that I'm going to walk in obedience with him. It's just not going to happen. But he has this purpose and a plan that he already has made out in advance for you to do. Here's one of the benefits that I'll share with you real quick when we're walking in righteousness. When we're walking with the Lord and we have this, this breastplate of righteousness in place, our prayers are powerful. 
James chapter 5 says that the prayers of a righteous man or a righteous person are powerful and effective. And the reason why they're powerful and effective is because you're walking in the rightness of God, the righteousness of God, and you have that access to that power I was talking about in the very beginning of the service, the very beginning of this message. Is that power is available to us in order so that when we pray for someone and we have faith and we believe, we believe that, that it will, the prayers will be answered. Now, it might not get answered right away the way we want it to, or it might. There's been a time where this scripture came alive to me. I was going to see my cousin in the hospital, and I, and I just was like, okay, Lord, I'm going, I'm going to see my cousin. I, what should I say? He had this weird sickness that just, he couldn't move. He couldn't get up. He couldn't set up. And it was like some type of an infection in his body, and they couldn't figure out what it was. And he's a grown man by then. And I pulled into the parking lot at KU Medical Center, and the first thing that I prayed, this is a selfish prayer, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I was like, God, please let me find a decent parking spot. I don't want to go all the way to the top. Now, that's a first world problem, but it was a problem. And guess what? I pulled in, and there's a spot right on the front row. Talk about building your faith. I was like, yes, I can accomplish anything. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So then I went in. And I said, and I, and I just repeated those words, hey, um, I said the scripture says that, uh, that the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and I'm only righteous because of the blood of Jesus who has made me righteous. It's not because of anything I've done on my own, because if that was the case, I'd be very unrighteous because of my works and my acts. And, but God makes me righteous and says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. It says he will raise up, and my cousin for the first time in two weeks set up in bed. And I was like, whoa, that was awesome. Now let me just tell you something. That doesn't happen every time I pray for somebody. But there's no way it will happen if I never pray for them. There's no way if I don't offer that up and believe and trust and have faith in that, if I don't walk and do the right thing at that particular moment, there's no way that can happen. In that same passage in, chapter, in, in James chapter 5, it says that when we confess our sins one to another, will be healed. And I shared a little bit of story about that last week with my friend Randy. There's power in confession because confession is just saying, I'm not doing the right thing, but I need to. God, would you please forgive me? I need somebody else to know this so that I can be forgiven. And then the healing comes. And then the truth is out there and you can begin to, to walk rightly. David was a great example of when we take off our breastplate of righteousness and we and we do not walk whoa we do not walk in obedience the consequence that comes with that man the air conditioner is working now what that thing is I'm going to finish with this I'm going to finish with the um, in this particular thought this I call it the R12 principle now, when I first wrote this, I actually misspelled the word principle and wrote principle like the principal here at the school. And I thought, isn't that ironic? Because this is R12, right? For those of you, isn't this R12 for the school district? Is it, oh, it's R3. Why was I thinking it was R12? I don't know. It's funny, but I wrote principle for some reason. I was thinking about, school, I was thinking about the school district or whatever. So well, that, that's not true. But the, the R12 principle to put into place in our life comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And the principle is this, is that we are called 
to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. We are called to give ourselves fully to Him. And here's the reason why. Because He has given Himself fully to us already. And it says in view of God's mercy, actually. So when we look back and we say, why should I work and discipline myself and pursue and seek righteousness? Because Jesus has already done everything necessary for us to achieve it. He has already given us the opportunity. He's already shown us mercy. He has already demonstrated for us what could possibly be available to us because of his gift of life through his death on the cross. And it says that we can then be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can then know what God's pleasing and perfect will is for our life. So it's basically like this. If you really want to know what it is that he has planned and purpose for you, then give yourself fully to him and he'll begin to, he'll begin to reveal that thing to you in a way that fits you perfectly, in a way that you can handle, in a way that you can live out. He's not going to make you wear something that doesn't fit. He's going to give you something that fits your personality, your place in life right now, and the gifts that he's giving you so that you can walk that out and experience life that is full and free and has purpose and meaning. That's my promise to you. But it requires us to put that on. It requires us to offer ourselves fully to him to seek his righteousness and to to realize that he can fill us up hopefully that will cause you to to maybe think about what what are some areas in my life right now that I need to make right with him last week some people wrote some pretty honest things on the back of the of the prayer cards it was pretty powerful to go through those things and that was kind of a form of confession and prayer and we have, we make that opportunity available every single Sunday morning. You can write that on the back of the information card. Or if this morning you say, hey Brady, um, I just need to come and to offer myself to the Lord. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never realized that this gift of, of life that he has for you is, is through his grace and by putting your faith in Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Or maybe there's some other area in your life you're saying, God's just kind of dealing on this, this area of my life and I need to confess it and I need someone to pray um, for me. So um, I will be up here in the front if someone wants prayer. Is Ginger, where's Ginger at? She out there? She, she, left, the, she left the room? Well, you know, if, if someone else needs prayer, just come on and come forward and we'll be here for you. So let's worship. Well, thank you so much for being here. This morning, oh, hey, man. Um, we, uh, if you're new here, we take up the offering at the end of the sermon. And uh, as you're leaving, there'll be baskets available to you. And so if you want to place your, your gift in there, that'd be awesome. We, I just tell you, we've been so blessed by people's gifts and generosity. And, and so we've been able to use those gifts to bless people in our community. All, every, every week, there's someone who has a need that we're able to meet. And we, we do that because of your faithfulness. And so we praise you for that. Um, Tara, come here real quick. Uh, Tara is a young lady that uh, I have known since she was a middle schooler. She went to school up in North Platte, uh, up there in Dearborn, Missouri. And she is uh, getting ready to transition to Colorado to a ministry school there. Um, what's the name of the guy? Andrew Walmack. Walmack. And... Uh, a friend of hers that we've grown close to, she lives there. 
and she's going to go, and she's going to just go and seek righteousness and pursue the Lord, and what does God have for her in her life? And uh, I, she's like my, she's like a daughter to me because she's this, you know, I'm old enough to be her dad. So, um, so she, we've just grown up. She's been on our core team from the very beginning that we started this church. And so I've really believed from the beginning I need to hold people like this <laughs> so that they can go through my fingers and go on to other things. And so we want to bless her today as she gets ready to leave. So if you feel a freedom, just extend your hand to her to pour out a blessing upon her. So, Father, I pray that you would cover her in the full armor of God as she goes, um, that she would be able to stand firm, and that not only would she stand, that she would walk out then this plan that you have for her life. God, I do pray for her to, to discover in a greater measure the purpose you have for her, and that she would not believe the lie of the enemy that she's wasted any time up to this moment, that God, you've been preparing and and working things uh, together for her good. And, uh, and God, that you will show yourself faithful to her in ways that, uh, that we will benefit from. Like she'll actually come back and share that with us and we'll, we'll be blessed by it. And we, we thank you for the time that we've had to, to pour into her in the way that she's been a blessing to us here. God, I pray that, um, and I'm just, the, I'm just the dad, so this is what I pray. I pray, Father, that you would send powerful man of God into her life to lead her and that they not not to be her Jesus obviously but that, that they would follow Jesus together in such a powerful way that people would see Christ in their relationship and people will come to know Jesus just because of their example of what it's right what it's like to do the right thing in a relationship God I ask for that anointing and that blessing upon her life and uh, I pray that um would happen in such a way she would just know it's from you. There's no way to deny it. So bless her and keep her. May your face shine upon her today and, and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for, your, for being here this day. Like once again, if you've uh, been able to give, we pray that you would give as you leave. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to see you next week. Thank you.